All right. Hey, I need three uh, volunteers to help me out really quick. Three people that would be willing to help me out. Raise your hand. Don't be shy. One, two, one more, please. It's real simple. Please? Thank you. All right. Just pass these out. Make sure everybody gets one. That'd be great. Okay, as that's being passed out, <clears throat> I want to first just thank everybody that has been a part of making uh, today possible. Our services every week, um, we have amazing volunteers, as I mentioned, staff who are involved in that. Uh, but today's, you know, certainly a special day. Uh, so thank you to all of you that uh, went out of your way to uh, make today very special. Uh, as I mentioned, my name is uh, Adam Sidler, a senior pastor here, and I would love a chance to connect with you. Um, if you're new um, or if you uh, haven't been coming here very long, I would love to know how we can be praying for you. But also for everybody in the service, there's a connection card inside your worship folder. And in that connection card um, is an opportunity, if you turn it over, uh, you can write a, down a prayer request. So um, certainly, you know, give us your name and maybe some information, and then indicate how it is that we can be praying for you. And we commit every week to praying over each of those requests. And so uh, take a moment, fill that out, please. And then what you can do is you can either leave that on the seat as you leave, or you can drop that off in the offering bo uh, um, box that's on the wall in the back. And we'll get that and uh, be praying for you. Now, you may wonder what I'm asking you to do with that, with that card. John, you got any extras there? Can I have one? <laughs> All right. So with this card, what I'd like you to do, thank you so much, is I want you to take a pen. There should be some in front of you. If there um, aren't any in front of you, uh, wait till someone next to you is done, and then you can fill that out. But basically what I'd like you to do is I want you to first draw a circle on that card, just like this. Draw a circle on that card. All right, next thing I want you to do is in the middle of that circle, I want you to do a capital J. What do you think that signifies? Oh, good job. All right, now, this next moment is a personal moment between you and the Lord, but basically what I want you to do is I want you to make an X somewhere on that paper as to where you stand today in you following Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you are inside of that circle, that means you've made the decision to not only find but then to follow Jesus. You made that decision, as it says in the Bible, that if you believe in your, in your heart that God... You, do you know that, Mackenzie? You were saying it. Well, somebody was saying it. Do you remember that verse? Yep. If you believe. That's a great verse, too. That's an awesome verse. That's not the one I was thinking about, though, but that's a great verse. All right. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. That's the verse. And if you made that decision, then you're inside that circle. That means you have the promise of eternal life. If you have yet to make that decision to follow Jesus, to make him the leader of your life, then you are outside that circle. But inside that circle, you can be saved. You can be on the perimeter, but still not truly following him. And so what I'd like you to do is make an X. Where are you? Where are you on that card and in that circle? And then we'll come back to that here at the end. All right. 
Six reasons why Jesus is better than the Easter Bunny. <laughs> Jesus' ministry lasted three years. About how long those Tootsie Rolls from the Easter Bunny stay in your body. <laughs> Number two, people know Jesus on a first-name basis. Number three, Jesus can walk on water. Bunnies just sink. <laughs> Number four, inside Every Easter bunny is just a sweaty guy named Gary. <laughs> Number five, Jesus has a beard. Number six, Jesus makes our heart bigger. The Easter bunny makes our gut bigger. Obviously, today we're not talking about the Easter bunny. Today, we are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. But why is that so important? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever maybe even asked that question? Maybe you feel a little nervous asking that question, but I think it's a legit question. Why is Jesus' resurrection so important? Why is it something that not only we should get excited about if you are a follower of Jesus, but why is it that the resurrection of Jesus changed the world? Now, perhaps if you were asked, why is the resurrection so important, you might ask um, or say one of these three answers. You might say, well, when Jesus rose from the grave, he defeated death and provided a way for us to have life everlasting. That's true. Perhaps if you're asked that question, you might respond by saying, Jesus' resurrection proved that death had not won, which is true. Or perhaps if you were asked that question and you were to answer, you'd say the resurrection of Jesus proved once and for all that Jesus is the Son of God. Again, true. But do these questions truly satisfy why is the resurrection so, why is the resurrection so important? Well, what I want to do is I want to look at John chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to that. John chapter 20. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's in the New Testament. You can also look on the uh, screen, it'll be up there. But John chapter 20 is the resurrection account written by the author John. And we're going to look specifically at verses 1 through 8. 1 through 8. Early on the first day of the week, so this is after Jesus has been crucified, after he's been buried, and he's been in the tomb for three days. Earlier on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the, tune, uh, the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, who is John, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and John started for the tomb. Both were running, but John outran Peter and reached the tomb first. John bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came behind him and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, John, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. He saw and believed. Now, what are some things that we observe from this account? Well, I think as we observe these things, we need to consider another instance that happens earlier on in John. 
not actually too long before what just occurred there in John 20. But what I want you to do now is turn to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and we're going to look at verses 38 through 44. Now with John 11, there's a story of someone else coming back to life. Anybody knew who that is? Lazarus, right. So Lazarus, in verse 38, he had been severely ill and had died. Jesus and his disciples were off in a different part. Someone came to Jesus and told them about Lazarus' illness, and then, and then death, Jesus knew, and so he gathered up his disciples and went to where Lazarus was buried. Verse 38, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor. He has been there for four days. Well, then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now, in the entire Bible, in this entire book, there are nine recorded instances, not including Jesus, where someone came back to life. So why is Jesus' resurrection so important? Why is this one so much different? Now, consider Lazarus, the one we just read about, who is probably one of the most famous of all of the come-back-to-life moments in Scripture, other than Jesus, of course. Now, Lazarus was brought back to life, but what is undoubtedly true of Lazarus 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35 years later? He died. Lazarus died. Just like everybody else in the history of all humankind, Lazarus died. Have you ever asked yourself, why did Jesus bring Lazarus back to life? Why Lazarus? Now, it says that Jesus was a good friend of Lazarus. Maybe it was because of their friendship. But uh, may I remind you that not long before this, Jesus' own cousin, whose name is what? John the Baptist, was beheaded and killed. Why is it that Jesus didn't raise John, back to life. I'm sure that there were numerous others over Jesus' three-year ministry prior to his crucifixion who had died, either had been killed or died of natural causes, whatever the case may be that Jesus could have. So why Lazarus? There are two reasons. The first reason was to kick off his death. It had been prophesied, been foretold, and Jesus was the fulfillment of all these prophecies that he would be killed for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. 
It says later, right after this encounter with Lazarus, bringing him back to life, it says that the Jewish authorities, because there were so many witnesses there at Lazarus coming back to life, that the Jewish authorities began to plot killing Jesus. This got the gears rolling. That's the first reason this happened. The second reason is to give the disciples a comparison. To give the disciples a comparison. After Scripture was entirely written, Bible headings were added. Did you know that? Did you know that the authors of the Bible didn't put Bible headings on there? Those were added after the fact. Now, in my Bible, I don't know if it looks like this in yours, but in mine, in the NIV, in the Luke 11 account, it says that Lazarus was risen from the dead, that Jesus rose, raised him from the dead. But these Bible headings can be misleading. Now, what happened when Lazarus came back to life? Well, every evidence of Lazarus' death is, is present. A stone laid across the entrance of his tomb. There was a horrible odor inside that when the stone was rolled away, everybody was enormously encumbered by. Why? Because his body was decaying after four days of being buried. He had to be summoned by someone who was empowered by God to come back to life. And Lazarus was still wearing the same linens that he was wearing, wrapped around his entire body and his entire face. The key to the importance of the resurrection is in the linens. That sounds weird. When Lazarus and Jesus were buried, they, they were wrapped in these linens, these cloths, as was custom. Now, this wasn't just like a nice suit or uh, a nice clothes that you and I might be put in when we're in the casket and, and then buried in. That's not what we're talking about here. No, these were, these were body-prepared linens. They were tightly wrapped around every inch of the body, including the head. They approximately weighed 75 pounds. And they were tightly glued together by spices and myrrh. Now, I'm, I gotta tell you, if that was me, all right, if I was Lazarus, and all of a sudden I came back to life, all right, one, that would be totally crazy, right? But then once I kind of tried to figure out what was going on, I'd realize I was in a, a, a cold, dark tomb, and I'm also tightly wrapped around with all of these, these claws, these linens, including my face. What do you think would be the first thing that I would do? What would be the first thing, undoubtedly, that you would do? Tear them off. At the very least, the ones on your face, right? But what happens when Lazarus leaves the tomb? He's completely covered by these linens. Jesus has to instruct everybody around to take those linens off of Lazarus. Why? Because he couldn't do it himself. It's the linens. Why is it the linens? Lazarus was not resurrected. He was resuscitated miraculously. Lazarus was the epitome of a dead man walking. 
Lazarus wasn't cured of death. He died just like every other person in the history of humankind. All that Jesus did was put life back into a dead body. And this dead body walked out of the tomb in the same form that he was buried in, but not Jesus. In John chapter 20, verses 6 through 7, Peter came behind John and went straight into the tomb. And he saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Jesus' resurrection is the true resurrection. It is the only resurrection because a resurrection, a true resurrection, is not just of the body, but of the spirit body. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the body that is sown is perishable, but it is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, and it is raised a spiritual body. The linens wrapped around Jesus, these tight linens wrapped around, securely wrapped around Jesus, held together by this this strong glue, weighing 75 pounds, were undisturbed. They were just lying there. They weren't ripped off. The linens were just as they had been when Jesus was placed in the tomb. Here's the deal. Jesus' resurrected body simply passed through them. Have you ever thought about the stone? Why was the stone rolled away for Jesus? Was it for Jesus' benefit? You see, Lazarus, when he was brought back to life, the stone needed to be rolled away so that Lazarus could get what? Out. But for Jesus, the stone was rolled away so that the disciples could get in. Why? The disciples needed to witness for themselves that this was completely different than what they had seen just months earlier. This wasn't just a a lifeless body being given back life. No, this was something new. They witnessed firsthand that Jesus had not simply been resuscitated but that he was holy and definitively resurrected into a new and eternal body. That's when everything changed. Resurrection is only a resurrection when death is defeated, not delayed. And that's what Jesus did. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Miracles, he says this, The New Testament writers speak as if Christ's achievement in rising from the dead was the first event of its kind in the whole history of the universe. He is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. 
He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. And everything is different because he has done so. That door that was closed that kept you and I from having a right relationship with God and thus the possibility of eternal life was completely closed. And what Jesus did is he defeated death and he kicked open that door and provided a way for us to have life everlasting. Death could not keep him down, Paul says. You ever try to push a, um, a beach ball under the water? It's impossible. What does it do? It constantly wants to come back up. That's what death was trying to do to Jesus. But Jesus was not going to be kept down. So God raised him from the dead. Provided a way. Kicked open that door. And here's the deal. That card that you that you drew that circle on, you put Jesus in the center and you put an X where you are. I want you to do one of two things. If you're inside that circle, you gave your life to Jesus to commit to following him, but somewhere along the, along the way have kind of lost what it truly means to follow Jesus. And today you want to be a new day. You want to recommit your life to following Jesus in the way that he, he has for you and has called you to, then what I want you to do is I want you to draw an arrow from where you are to now where you will be, which is Jesus. And if you're on the outside of that circle, and if you've been wondering, obviously you're here at a church, this isn't a surprise to you. You're obviously thinking about it, You've wondered about this Jesus person and maybe, maybe even thought about deciding to give your life to him. Well, I want to invite you to do that here today. And all you need to do, the Bible says, like we said earlier, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can walk through that door that has been kicked open by the resurrected Jesus. And I want you to draw an arrow from that X outside of the circle to Jesus. And pray with me. Father God, thank you for loving us so much that you would send your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be saved, so that we could live for eternity with you. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead and is living today. And I today am either recommitting or deciding for the first time to follow you and make you the leader of my life. Thank you for saving me for loving me. pray this in your name. Amen. If you made a decision to either recommit your life to Jesus today or if you made a decision for the first time to give your life completely to Him, I want you to do something today. It's not a big deal. I'm not going to call you out. You don't have to come to the front or anything. I want you on the back of that card, I want you to write your name and your phone number. Your name and your phone number and then I want you to Put that in the box that's on the wall at the back, right by, by those doors. See Pastor Don? Wave your hands, Pastor Don. 
There's a box right there. Just drop that in the box. And I'm going to contact you this week and celebrate your either recommitment to Jesus or your decision to follow him for the first time. Pray with you, encourage and support you in any way that I can. Disease does not have the final word. Suffering does not have the final word. Death does not have the final word. The final word is Jesus and Jesus alone, the resurrected King. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life everlasting. No one comes to the Father except through me. He is the final word. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Thank you so much for being with us here today. We pray that you're blessed and you have a wonderful, wonderful Easter. We'll see you next week.